Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the latest round of qualifiers for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. We speak to the coach of surprise Group E leaders, Guinea-Bissau. He tells us what it would mean for them to qualify for the Nations Cup for the first time. It will be a, like a second independence, very significant for the nation. And we also hear from Group D joint leaders, Uganda, who are doing well with a new-look side. We, we pride ourselves in the fact that in a very short time, a period of two years, we have a crop of very many players who can really turn up for the team. And also we ask, are coaches worldwide being given unrealistic expectations? This after Atletico Madrid manager Diego Simeone says that losing two UEFA Champions League finals is a failure. Well, that's all coming up, and it's a big weekend in African football with the latest round of qualifiers for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations taking place. There are two rounds to go. Some teams will qualify this weekend. Others will be eliminated. Only the group winners qualify automatically, along with the two best runners-up for the finals in Gabon early next year. Well, there's a surprise leader in Group E as Guinea-Bissau are on top with seven points ahead of Congo and Zambia on six points with Kenya already out with just one point. Well, Guinea-Bissau first did well to draw 0-0 away to Zambia. They then lost 4-2 at home to Congo-Brazzaville, but then had back-to-back 1-0 wins over Kenya home and away. And they host Zambia this weekend. Well, Guinea-Bissau are currently ranked 102 in the world. It's their highest ever ranking, having been 184th three years ago. They've never qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations, and they didn't even enter the qualifiers for the previous four editions. Well, it's a small country of 1.7 million people, and they are performing way above expectations. All of the players in the Guinea-Bissau squad are based outside the country, mostly in Portugal. Now, former player Basiro Kande took over as coach ahead of those wins against Kenya. He replaced Paulo Torres, who left the job in February due to a four-match calf ban that ruled him out of the rest of the qualifiers. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba was in Guinea-Bissau recently and he spoke to coach Basiro Kande, who speaks Portuguese, and gave his answers through a translator. Mamadou first asked whether Kande believes that Guinea-Bissau can make it and qualify for the Nations Cup finals for the first time. Yes, football has three factors fundamentals. We will do our best. To, to qualify because you know in football you, <laughs> you can draw, you, you can lose and you can win, you know. Uh, that's why we're going to do all of uh, our effort to, to win this, uh, to try to do this match. But uh, we know that in football everything can happen, so that's why. What would it mean for football in this country, Guinea-Bissau, um, for you as a national team coach to qualify the country to the Nations Cup for the first time. What would it mean for the development of the game here? It's 
it should be a uh, big honor. And after that, if you qualify for Guinea-Bissau, it will be like a, a second independence for Guinea-Bissau. Because I know that the, the football, it can prove, it, it move, yes, it prove the country, the society, everything. So, you don't want to be, you're the country that come for a long time war and everything. That's why it means that it will be a, like a second independence, very significant for the nation in particular. So, because you know the football, uh, the football brings uh, development in every uh, means, you know. So, uh, that's why it will be very honored. What needs to be done to, um, to continue the development of uh, football in this country? What needs to be done by the, by the government, by the Football Federation, by all stakeholders to make sure that football development continues as the team is nearing to qualify? Now, primarily to do football, football is an investment. Football normally, uh, basically, is investment. So you should invest. Uh, when the government or federation, they, they should invest to football to, to bring and they continue uh, by the competition for uh, the different different levels. So uh, if you do it, so you can reach, you can come in high. We have more talented players, um, the youths, more youths, good, 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 good talent. The talent enough they have, but it should continue to, to, to work with the youth players to get a, a more more time, better better performance. Um, is the local league strong enough to help the development of the game in Bissau? Football in function the our league here now in Guinea Bissau uh, because football what the football need uh, the football need uh, the high uh, level of competition but here now in Guinea Bissau our league our local league is uh, is in the middle uh, you don't you don't have the the high the ice, uh, yeah, the ice standard to support, but anyway, we need uh, partnerships exactly with the the main the main actors of the game. So this is the. That's Guinea-Bissau coach Basiro Kande speaking to Mamadou Ba. Well, Solomon, there are three teams very much in the running there in Group E, so it won't be easy for Guinea-Bissau to qualify. But this really is an amazing story so far. Yes, Steve, uh, you know, they've been able to really put a great team together and this will bring hope into uh, a nation that has uh, never really experienced this before and, and ri- rightly said by the coach, this will bring some sort of a, like, like a second independence for them. It will be an independence day. It will be some sort of a liberation. It will bring hope to the country. It will really uh, encourage younger people to take on the sport. It will encourage uh, the country that, look, uh, impossible is possible. You can do whatever it takes, uh, you know, you when you look at the group that they're in with uh, with Kenya, uh, Congo, and also Zambia, former finalist, you would never have imagined that Guinea-Bissau would come all the way and do as well as, as they have. And, and you also have to understand that, you know, most of their players uh, play in, in Portugal. And because of their, you know, historical relationship with, with Portugal, uh, a lot of these young players were, were born in Portugal. Uh, and they've been able to go and, and get these players and come together. And the next two games is going to be crucial for them. Sitting with several points, uh, you know, a win and a draw for me, that should uh, be enough for them to uh, be able to get 11 points, and 11 points should be able to uh, to get them through, and I hope that the story would not stop uh, after uh, this weekend's game or, or the next game, but I hope the story will continue, this amazing story will continue. Well, thanks, Solomon. So we'll see whether Guinea-Bissau can succeed in their quest to qualify for the Nations Cup finals for the first time. 
Well, here in Harare, Zimbabwe play Malawi on Sunday. If Zimbabwe win and if Guinea fail to win away to Swaziland, Zimbabwe's Warriors will qualify with a game to spare. Zimbabwe have only made it twice before to the Nations Cup finals, so there's a mood of great excitement and anticipation here. Now, Zimbabwe played Uganda in a friendly on Tuesday here in Harare, Zimbabwe winning 2-0. Uh, there are big hopes for Uganda as their joint top of Group D with Burkina Faso, both on seven points, with Botswana on six and Comoros on three. Exciting striker Melvin Lorenzen of German Bundesliga club Werder Bremen played in the friendly here. The 21-year-old has a German mother and a Ugandan father, and he's decided to commit to play for Uganda's cranes. Well, the big, bustling striker has played nine times for Werder Bremen this season and just needs the paperwork to be completed in time for Saturday's game away to Botswana. Well, Uganda's Serbian coach Militin Sredrovic told me that it'll be a huge boost for the team if they get Lorenzo's services. Whoever has watched the game has seen that a player playing in one of top five world leagues has uh, shown uh, and represented that league in the best possible way, Bundesliga. Uh, we shall see up to Saturday. I personally believe that he has added huge values uh, to our team. Now, amazingly, Uganda haven't qualified for the Nations Cup finals since 1978. That was their fifth appearance, and they finished second in that tournament. I spoke to the vice president of the Uganda Football Federation, Dennis Mbide Sesebugwao, and first asked him about the expectations this time. Yeah, it's a, a big weekend for us. Uh, we're looking to go and win in Botswana, and uh, at least if we pick a win, then we're sure we'll be in the Cup of Nations. And uh, for Uganda, you've come close a few times recently. You must be hoping this is your turn to qualify. Yeah, we hope this is our time to qualify. And I uh, will pray that uh, we indeed do qualify this time. And you've had a few heartbreaking moments, haven't you? Yes, definitely. Like, But we are sure this time there will not be any heartbreaking stories. And your squad, you seem to have some strong players playing at good clubs. Yes, like we have uh, Dennis Onyango who plays at Sundowns. He's goalkeeper of the year in the PSL. You know, we have a couple of players, Masai in South Africa, a few players in Europe. So we have, we, we're comfortable. Tell us about the coach, uh, Micho Militin Sredrovic. You've been with him for, what, about three years now? Yeah, he's a good coach, good at preparation. He has transformed our team. Most of our big players left. I think he has done well the transition. We transitioned very well in a short time. I mean, it would have taken a longer time, but we, we pride ourselves in the fact that in a very short time, a period of two years, we have a crop of very many players who can really turn up for the team. He once in a while brings in a new player, a new player having their first cup. So for us, he has done for us a basket of good players who are comfortable can for very many years play for the national team. And you seem to have uh, taken a long-term approach. Uh, coaches don't always stick around for that long but you've decided to to give him time yeah i mean the team of the last decade really all of them have left so we're now into a new generation so and i think he's done well it is better you take a long-term approach short term might not do it for you because you keep going to and fro well here in zimbabwe we're dreaming we think we've got a great chance of qualifying for the nation's cup after a long wait um, what would it mean for you as uh, uganda to qualify it would be great um really but for us still, we are, as you're say, saying, it's one thing going to the Cup of Nations and don't go back after 10 years. So we want to be 
perpetual uh, qualifiers in the Cup of Nations. That's why you see we've taken a long-term approach. I wish Zimbabwe well. They're a good footballing nation. It's a footballing nation. We're enjoying the atmosphere. So I hope they really do qualify. That's the vice president of the Uganda Football Federation, Dennis Mbide Sesebugwal, saying that they want to be habitual qualifiers at the Nations Cup finals, despite not having been there since 1978. Interesting that they've given their coach time, and we'll be talking about that later on on the show, asking whether coaches are given unrealistic expectations and not given enough time to build a team. Well, we'll be talking about the results of the qualifiers next week on the show. So on WhatsApp and on Facebook, you can give us your reaction to the Nations Cup qualifiers as the results come in. Let us know what you feel about your team's performance and your thoughts on the other results. Send us a WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and give us your reaction to the results of the qualifiers for the Nations Cup. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And have you downloaded our new app? Now, if you missed the show, you can listen anytime on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then once you've got the app, you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are around 140 episodes of the show there on the app, all available on demand. So to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime. Note that you will incur airtime charges if you're not connected to a wireless network. You can also listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can find out more about the team and see our pictures there as well. That's our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, at planetsportfa. Keep in touch with news about the show and African football news on Twitter, at planetsportfa. And now we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook on the show. Uh, Last week, we looked at a recent investigation into the performance of referees that found that referees tend to award harsher foul punishments to the away team when there are big crowds supporting the home team. We spoke to Bob Hamer, a former English Premier League referee, who thinks that the findings are wrong, and he denies that referees favour the home team. So we asked, what do you think? Do you think the referees are biased towards the home team? when there's a big decision to make in front of a large crowd. Well, this certainly got you involved. We've had another massive response to this one. Here's Ansumana Dabo in the Gambia. I'll say yes, says Ansumana, but not fully. Some cards that are awarded to players are deserved, but some are not deserved. The way some officials officiate games, you'll tend to wonder if they support the other team. So those things can make both fans and analysts have two minds about them. Barnabas Ande in Kaduna in Nigeria is in no doubt at all. I totally agree with that study in Spain, says Barnabas. In fact, the refereeing in Spain is very annoying at times, especially when teams have mammoth home crowds. It's discouraged me from watching La Liga games because of the biased officiating. I think FIFA has to look into that with a view of correcting this menace if it is proven beyond doubt. 
On Facebook, Lamin Yusufa Kale in The Gambia says, yes, indeed, it's true, especially the big gun teams. The referees help them a lot. The worst referee I ever saw in my life is Chris Foy in the English Premier League. I think it was the year before last when Chelsea played away at QPR. Chris Foy showed two red cards and seven yellow cards to Chelsea players, and that's not enough. He also awarded QPR a penalty kick. Gift Chipanda in Malawi says, yes, most of the time home teams are favoured by referees and away teams are facing more challenges. But it's not only home teams that are favoured. In fact, when big teams such as Barcelona, Real Madrid, even Atletico Madrid are playing against small teams, referees tend to award more cards to the small teams. Alfred Mdimba, also in Malawi, wants to see more professionalism from referees. Really, says Alfred, a referee must show his integrity and base his decisions on justice. Punishments must be offence-based, not made due to external factors, whether it's home advantage or the crowd. Lamine Sani in the Gambia has some sympathy for referees. They have a very difficult job, which is to decide on the spot, says Lamine. Sometimes fans and coaches should show more understanding. And sometimes the mistakes they make become talking points, and those controversial moments make the game fascinating because it generates a lot of talk from fans, coaches, pundits and journalists. Um, yeah, that certainly is uh, true, Lamine. And Simana Kole, also in the Gambia, shares that view. He says, I think referees show a high degree of professionalism in awarding decisions. In bigger games, especially a big derby like the El Clasico, they sometimes make a controversial decision. But in a nutshell, referees are human and they're bound to make mistakes. And Ebrima Kante agrees. He says, yes, sometimes a home team gets more big decisions from referees, but this is normal for me as long as it's not too many in a game. I don't blame referees always because they are human and we all make mistakes and without a referee, a football match will not take place. Well, that's very true and it certainly gives us a lot to talk about here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, the big story last week in global football was, of course, Jose Mourinho's appointment as the new manager of Manchester United after he signed a three-year deal. And Obina got in touch from Nigeria. He says it's just a matter of time before we know how Jose will perform at Man United. Let's hope he surpasses his third-season jinx this time. It's only a matter of time, so let's give him some time. And uh, finally, last week we posted on Facebook the sad news of the passing on of Ted Dumitru, the former national coach of Zambia, Namibia, Swaziland and South Africa. The Romanian-born coach, who also guided Mamelodi Sundowns to the 2001 CAF Champions League final, died in Johannesburg from a suspected heart attack at the age of 76. Ibrahim Javi from The Gambia speaks for many, I'm sure, when he passes his condolences and says that Dimitru was a true legend of the African continent. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. It's always great to hear from you. And this week, do give us your reaction to the Nations Cup qualifiers as the results come in. Let us know what you feel about your team's performance and your thoughts on the other results. Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or log on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now to a big question. We're asking, are coaches given unrealistic expectations these days? 
as Real Madrid became champions of Europe for the 11th time, beating Atletico on penalties in the UEFA Champions League final last weekend, I was surprised by the comments of Atletico Madrid manager Diego Simeone, who said after that defeat that losing two finals is a failure and that he'll start thinking about his future with the club. It's the second time in three seasons that Simeone's side have lost to their La Liga rivals in the Champions League final, losing in extra time in 2014 and penalties this time. Now this came a week after Manchester United fired coach Louis van Gaal and replaced him with Jose Mourinho, despite van Gaal having won the FA Cup with United. Now, Stuart, you touched on this last week, but let's explore this a little further. Are coaches being given unrealistic expectations? Well, let's start with the Champions League. To lose a final on a penalty shootout um, is just a lottery. And, you know, the penalty that lost them the game hit the post. So, you know, another centimetre to the right and it would have been in. So I think it's an overreaction. I think it's an amazing achievement by Atletico Madrid uh, to win the Spanish title, to get to two Champions League finals. I mean, I think that's an incredible achievement. And I think that Simeone is perhaps overreacting to his disappointment immediately after the event. So I don't think that he's right in his judgment there. You know, the decision of Manchester United to get rid of Van Gaal, having won the FA Cup, OK, but the FA Cup is not really what it's about for Man U. But again, of course, he was only goal difference from taking them into the Champions League. I mean, I think that was a much more pragmatic decision. They wanted Mourinho. Mourinho was available now. Mourinho probably wouldn't be available in a year. And, of course, Van Gaal had said all along he only wanted to do three years, and he's done two of them. So, again, I don't think that, that those two examples are perhaps the most helpful in our analysis of this issue. But, you know, as we have said previously, there are only perhaps two to four trophies that you can win each year. And certainly in in English football, the Premier League and the Champions League are the two that really matter. And only two teams can win them. So therefore, by definition, most of the teams in the Premier League are not going to win a trophy. And okay, you might win the League Cup, you might win the FA Cup. But even if you count those as major trophies, you're still going to finish this year. There were 20 teams in the Premier League and 17 of them didn't win anything. Um, You know, that is life. And I do think it is unrealistic, perhaps of club owners. I think actually supporters are probably less unrealistic, you know, to expect to win something every year. Yeah, the level of competition is just so great in football these days, isn't it? Now, back in 2008, Chelsea lost the UEFA Champions League final on penalties to Manchester United uh, when John Terry also hit the post in the penalty shootout. Now, is it fair for expectations to be so high when the margins are just so small, Stuart? Well, I mean, I think it's utterly unsatisfactory to decide the best team in Europe on a penalty shootout. But then, of course, the calendar is now so full that there's not time for a replay. And, you know, in Europe, we've got the European Championship. And a player like Gareth Bale was actually late in going to join up with Wales for the European Championship preparation. So it's utterly unsatisfactory that you have to have a shootout, but it's the way things are going and there's probably no alternative given the calendar. But it does mean, as you say, the margins between being successful in terms of winning a trophy and being unsuccessful are so infinitesimally small. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, what do you make of this, Solomon? It's not only in Europe. Uh, coaches in Africa are usually under huge pressure too.、Um, here in Zimbabwe, for example, we're eight games into the Premier League season, and three coaches have been fired already. So high expectations in Africa. Yes,、uh, Steve. A lot of coaches across the African continent, not just in Europe, but you know, are daily under pressure. The pressure is very, very high, and the pressure is is so high that the coach needs to perform week in, week out, which is not possible for a lot of coaches. In a football league, there's always like、uh, you know, eighteen or sixteen or twenty teams, and and only maybe four or five of them would be consistent during the season.、Uh, so obviously, someone is bound to lose his job. Now earlier on, we heard from Uganda coach Militin Stredrovic, who comes from Serbia. He's been the Uganda national team coach for three years, and he's had time to build a squad based on youth.、Uh, but not many clubs or national teams in Africa would give a coach that long to work with a team before results are expected. But、um, do you believe, Solomon, that、uh, that approach could be more successful sometimes? I seriously believe Steve, that you know, giving a coach、uh, a longer time to perform,、uh, to show what he's capable of doing,、uh, is very important.、Uh, I'm not,、uh, you know, an advocate of just、uh, evaluating a coach after a year or a year and a half or even two years. You know, I, I'm a I'm a big advocate of giving a coach a, a longer period,、uh, just so they could create their own culture, bring in their own players, uh, uh, lend the mentality and the culture of the club, and and be able to associate themselves to、uh, you know the brand and and be able to、uh, scout and get the right、uh, players and the right team for them to be able to deliver.、Uh, in Africa, we don't we don't do a lot of that, especially in North Africa. You know,、uh, countries like Algeria, Egypt, Tunisia,、uh, coach. Coaches get sacked, you know, after four months, six months, or a year. You know,、uh, in Nigeria, you know, maybe after a year or two.、Uh, but South Africa, particularly, I think uh, with uh, a team like、uh, Kaiser Chiefs and and Orlando Pirates,、uh, you know,、uh, one thing I've noticed with Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa is just you know letting the coach be. You know,、uh, and I think for Kaiser Chiefs, three years is normally the minimum that you get to to,、uh, to have a coach. And I think that is、uh, really a great culture to create in in every club. And for us to be successful, you know, I, I think we don't have to. Go to quick, for quick fixes,、uh, quick results.、Uh, we and as Africans, we 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 fond of doing that. In Nigeria, they call it the fire brigade approach. You just now, you need it now, and you want it now. You know, and successful teams、uh, take a, a bit of time to to build. Yeah, sure.、Um, now let's compare this with other sports.、Uh, recently, Stewart spoke to Ethiopian athletics legend Kenenisa Bekele. He's winner of three Olympic gold medals, five World Championship golds, and he's the world record holder in the men's 5,000 and 10,000 meters. Well, Stewart put it to Kenenisa that athletes aren't quick to fire their coaches when they have a bad race.、Uh, of course, yes.、Uh, for coach, maybe. For football, you know, sometimes you need to patient, you know, because you don't have to hurry. You know, maybe within one year you cannot get a cup. Maybe you cannot win. You know, you should give time and you know,、uh, till he study and、uh, change something. You know, step by step. That's Ethiopian athletics legend Kenenisa Bekele. An interesting contrast there, Stuart. Yes, I mean I must say that my question was slightly tongue-in-cheek to him, uh, but uh, why did you fire your coach when you don't win a race? But of course, it is different, and most athletes build up a relationship with their coach and、uh, see improvement over a period 
of time and don't expect to win every race, but perhaps because there's so much more money involved in football and uh, those who own football clubs have less patience and want instant results. But it's not a very satisfactory situation. And Steve, I can give you a prediction. Most clubs next season will not win a trophy either because that's simply the nature of the business that we're in. Indeed. Well, you can give us your thoughts on this on WhatsApp and on Facebook. Do you think that coaches are given unrealistic expectations these days around Africa and in world football in general? Are coaches given unrealistic expectations? You can send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, give us your reaction to the results of this weekend's Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Don't forget you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and our website is planetsportfootballafrica.com. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in Nigeria and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks so much for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.